This morning we're talking about the fact that Jesus is never beyond reach. Jesus is never beyond reach. Now, when I say that, I, it, all of the cliches come to our minds like, uh, you know, Jesus take the wheel and uh, let go and let God and, and all of these other things and that, that we often say as Christians. And those in themselves are not bad. But I just want to remind you, whether you are someone who is in need of a Savior or for a majority of you, you've got him as Savior, but making him Lord and giving him control of your life is another story. And so today, I want to invite you to the fact that Jesus is passing by this place this morning. According to his word and according to his Holy Spirit, he is dwelling among us in this place, not in the building, in the two-by-fours, in the sheetrock, but in your hearts and in mine. And I pray that you be encouraged this morning by what the gospel shares with us about how Jesus is interacting with these two people. So we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. Just for a moment, before we continue reading, I challenge you to... There's one thing about reading the passage, and there's another thing to put yourself in the passage. Have you ever been desperate? Have you ever been to the point to where someone you love has been in harm's way and all you knew to do is pray? That's where Jairus is this morning. If you've ever had a time of desperation in your life, you can identify. And I challenge you to put yourself into this passage. Verse 24 says, So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured under many doctors. She had spent everything she had And was not helped at all. You can relate to spending almost everything you own on medical bills. I mean, we we all have to go to the doctor and it's not getting any cheaper, is it? Again, try to put yourself in the place of this woman. She has tried everything that the world has said you need. Every treatment, every doctor to the point to where she is penniless. And she has no other option. She's desperate. Verse 27 says, Having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, If I can just touch his robes, I will be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. At once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, Who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. But while he was still speaking, 
people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? I can just see him now in the nice, pious look saying, Way to go, Jesus. You took too long healing this woman that was just, she was not the priority. Do you not understand that Jairus was an influential leader? And you stopped to help her. And meanwhile, his daughter died. Way to go, Jesus. You really messed this thing up. We would never say that, would we, church? We would never say that, Jesus, you were too late. Jesus, I'm disappointed in you. Jesus, I thought it was going to happen some other way. So if you've ever been there, you can identify with these people. And then, verse 33 says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came to her with fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She approached Jesus. It was with fear, but she approached him. Verse 36, When Jesus heard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. I I could just stop there and say, Sermon's over, read that. Sermon's over, read that. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Hear that word to you today, church. Do not be afraid. Just believe. And then he did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but only asleep. <laughs> right, Jesus. We surely believe that. She's just sleeping. Yeah, sure. Jesus told them the truth and they didn't understand it. They couldn't understand it with their minds. Their feeble minds could not wrap the truth that Jesus was telling them. Folks, sometimes we think we have Jesus figured out, but we do not. His ways are higher than our ways. Verse 40. They started laughing at him, but he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talith Kaum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Other translations say, he said, little girl, rise. Wake up, sweetie. You're not dead. You're just sleeping. Well, kind of shut those that were laughing up, didn't it? Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. Wow. Is it a coincidence? The girl was 12 years old. The bleeding woman had been sick for 12 years. Seems like there's a parallel here, isn't there? Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. Both Jairus and both the bleeding woman reached out to Jesus. They reached out to Jesus. And the thing about a reach is, I can remember seeing and even being a little toddler, and what do they want to do? They want to reach up to the counter and get that cookie. Oh man, that cookie jar. Sometimes you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, don't you? It's not a good place to be. Or maybe trying to get an item off of the... Have you ever tried to get an item off the top of the refrigerator? 
without using some kind of step. It's almost impossible, isn't it? Just kind of feeling around. You get dust bunnies all over your hands. Like, man, I didn't know it was that dirty up there. But we try to reach and we try to squeeze and we get it. Or how many movies have you seen to where there is the climax of the movie and there is someone that is needing rescuing and they're either on the side of the building or they are on the side of a cliff and something's happening and they're just, you know, the person saying, take my hand, take my hand. And they're, they're so afraid. They don't know if they want to continue to try to hold on for their life. But if they reach out to that person, what will happen? They're thinking, will I fall? Can they hold me? Are there any other options? Do I trust this person enough to grab their hand? Those are the same questions that we ask every day when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Whether it be the first time we receive him as salvation or in our process of sanctification, of becoming holy, if we trust him enough to hold his hand when it does not make sense as a believer. Because this message is not just one of those to where get saved and everything's going to be all right. Amen. We have to choose to grab hold of Jesus and his will for our lives every day. Now, usually in stories, they'll grab the hand and, and they'll be rescued. But in some stories, depending on what they're trying to say, the person might uh, slip and die. But one story that is 100% accurate. That is a fact, is that Jesus is reaching out his hand to you and I this morning. And Jesus wants us to grab hold of his hand by faith and trust. Trust him enough to give him our entire lives. So many times we come to Jesus and we say, Oh, I accept you, Jesus is my Savior and Lord, and you can have everything that I have except this one thing. I'll give you everything I got, Jesus, but I ain't giving you that 10%. You know, I can't even pay my medical bills, let alone give you 10%. God, I'll give you everything except this relationship. You can have it all. Praise the Lord. I will sing your praises, but you cannot have this relationship. Or I'll give you everything, Lord, but you cannot have this material possession. You cannot have this habit. That is not grabbing hold of Jesus. That is trying to hold on to your life and trying to grab out for him at the same time. And that does not work. And we see that played out in this passage. Jesus has proven his sincerity to you and to I on the cross by dying on a bloody cross for our sins. The sins we have committed, the sins we will commit, and the sins that we are committing now. Every sin is covered by his blood if we simply confess him to the Lord. Because why? He loves you. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Thank you. Jesus loves you. When's the last time somebody told you this morning that they loved you? Jesus says, I love you every day. And his arms are about this wide when he says it. I love you so much that I died on the cross. For your sins. Sometimes being a pastor or being a Christian for umpteen years, I lose sight of the fact that when I was lost, that there was a man named Jesus Christ that died on the cross for my sins. And I have been with him so long that sometimes I lose sight of the fact 
that I was as lost as a ball in tall weeds and no one gave me the time of day except Jesus Christ. And all I need to do, I didn't have all my, my nice religious education. I didn't have all my experiences in churches. All I knew to do was to reach out to Jesus. And I still reach out for him every single day. But we see as we look at this passage that why would we not grab his hand? Why would we not reach out to Jesus if he's not beyond our reach? We don't reach out to Jesus because sometimes we don't believe we're sick. You know that person that says, oh, I don't need to go to a doctor. I'll be fine. We're sick. And we don't think we are. We have sin in our lives, but we don't think, ah, it's a little sin. There are no little sins, and there are no big sins. There is just sin. Sometimes we don't take our sin seriously. Oh, I did this and got away with it, so I'm not going to really worry about it. That's a recipe for destruction. Or maybe we're not desperate enough. These, these two individuals were desperate. For them, it was life and death. For me, when I accepted Jesus Christ, it was a matter of life and death. For you to accept Jesus Christ and to live for Him every day is a process of life and death. We all need to grab the hand of Jesus that is never beyond us. Well, we see here in this passage that Jesus had previously commanded the winds and the waves to obey Him by saying, Peace be still. He also went and heals a demoniac by casting out demons into 2,000 pigs. I guess the special was bacon for the rest of the week, don't you think? But the Jesus miracle tour was in full swing. You understand, the hype around Jesus, he, had, he was more popular than the Kardashian. I mean, he, he, he was on the cover of all the magazines that they had him. I mean, he was the talk of the town. He was doing miracles. But Jesus gets into the boat again, and he goes to the other side of the lake. And there was always a crowd when he was doing the healing. But the first thing we see, as up on the screen, is desperation causes us to reach out to Jesus. Desperation causes us to reach out to Jesus. And we've read in verses 21 through 28, Jairus, he was an elected official. By being an elected official, he was political. That means for him being elected, he had to be liked by enough people to put him in office, right? So we know that he was popular among the people. And he was a religious leader, which means he was popular. And what he did is he actually led worship services in the synagogue. So he was kind of like a political preacher. He was also the school's headmaster. And he was the caretaker of the synagogue as well. So I guess he was, like some preachers, he was a janitor and he was a preacher all at the same time. But he raced, or excuse me, he faced political pressure from the Pharisees to not heed to Jesus' teaching. Remember, he was employed by the Jewish leadership, the Jewish traditions, the Jewish synagogue. And so this whole Jesus thing that he had been hearing about was not a positive thing. Okay? And then Jairus would not only have thought much about Jesus until this, until his only daughter, only daughter, 12 years old, was sick and to the point of death. He was quickly running out of time. 
and desperate for Jesus to help. All of his wealth, all of his popularity, everything that he had done to this point could not save his daughter. He was desperate. His 12-year-old girl was about to die. Folks, there is going to come a time in your life, and if it hasn't, it will, to where you're going to know the prayers, you're going to know the scriptures, you're going to know the cliches, your friends around you will tell you everything that you know they're right, you will hear songs on the radio, and you will have all around you things that are telling you what you know is right, but you're still going to be desperate. It's at those moments that I, I do not like being in those moments, but it's in those moments where I realize that my faith in Christ is not a religion, but it's a relationship. A Jesus who loves me and cares for me, and he cares for you too. Well, we see the bleeding woman also. She had spent everything she had on medical bills with no cure. The woman had been chronically ill, and it's a, a condition called menorrhagia. Menorrhagia, and without getting into to too much detail, uh, women have a system of their bodies go through, and there's times once a month where they clean themselves, and it's blood. This woman had it for 12 years. Women, can you imagine that? 12 years. Now, the thing is, is that if that is not bad enough, if that is not bad enough, when a woman had that time of her life and that time of her month, she would be considered unclean, ceremonially unclean. That means her husband couldn't touch her or he would be unclean. That means her family couldn't touch her. She would be unclean. For 12 years, this woman could not be touched. This woman could not be a part of society because she was condemned unclean because of her health condition. And it was a chronic health condition. Listen, I know many of you in here have chronic illnesses. I understand that, um, you know, if I have a pain one day, it hurts. But to have to wake up with that pain every single day or to wake up with that, that problem every single day, I know it gets old. But that is why Jesus helps you get through this. And we see here a woman who was desperate. She had tried everything that the doctors had said. She had tried every treatment and there was nothing left but Jesus. It's very possible she had no children because she had that ailment. All of her doctors could not heal her from the condition. She was living in chronic pain. Both Jairus and the bleeding woman did one thing that they had in common. There was one thing they had in common. You know what it was? They fell at Jesus' feet. They fell at Jesus' feet. Jairus reached out with his words. The bleeding woman reached out with her hand. Both were desperate and pleading for the touch of Jesus. Jairus, for Jesus to touch his one and only daughter to heal her, and the bleeding woman to touch his robe. The second thing we see is that when Jesus healed, it was immediately, in verses 29 and 42, when Jesus healed, he did that immediately. It says, when the woman touched his robe, that the power left him. That word for power is uh, dun dunamis. 
which is where we get the word dynamite from. That kind of power left Jesus. That kind of power flowed to that woman, and she was healed. Folks, that same dynamite power that flowed to that woman will flow through you today. It was not just for her. That power that Jesus has is for all of us who love Him. But I know what some of you are saying. Uh Uh-huh, preacher, you're getting ready to to have a healing service, aren't you? No, I'm not going to do that. Can God heal? Absolutely. Does God heal? Every single day. Does God heal immediately? Every single day. Does God heal through the work of doctors and medicine? Yes, He does. Okay? And I'm not saying anything about those folks that have the the blow on you and watch you fall kind of thing. I mean, if, if that's what they believe, then that's between them and the Lord and praise God. But God is in the business of healing. But I do want to tell you, some of you might be like most people in the church. When the sermon is given, you know what they're thinking? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Folks, worship is not about what's in it for me. It's what we can do for Him. And I hate to say this, but it's the truth. In that crowd that day, there were other people that did not get healed. Why the bleeding woman? Why Jairus' daughter? Jairus' daughter? Because it was God's will. God wanted to show an illustration. God wanted to show His work through this. And for the other people that weren't healed, Jesus was still there for them. Jesus is there for you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Jesus healed He healed immediately. And Jesus tells the woman to go in peace. You can take this to the bank and I won't charge you for it. Peace is the result of faith in action. Peace is the result of faith in action. Let me tell you something. Faith is not happiness. You can sing the happy song all day long, but that's not peace. Peace is faith in action. Well, we see not only did he heal immediately, we see that faith must overcome fear. Faith must overcome fear. We see that Because the crowds were there, the crowds can block our attempt at reaching out to Jesus. Think about this, folks. And this this speaks to me a lot. That some of the people that were keeping the woman from Jesus were the disciples and his followers. We have to be careful, church. Because in our community, where we go to the grocery store, when we go out to eat, after church or where we're, we're interacting with people, there are people that need the touch of Jesus. Is our life, are we so crowded around Jesus and we have my church, my music, my Sunday school class, my this, my that, to where we, we want to keep Jesus for ourselves when there are other people that are reaching out. Yes, the disciples were part of the problem in this passage. They, weren't, they were following Jesus, but they were keeping people from him. Do not be that person. Let's try to find people and bring them to Jesus. 
The crowds did not believe, therefore they did not understand. Even the disciples questioned. I mean, the disciples of all people, they were just in a boat and watched Jesus calm the storm. And now they said, how do you know someone touched you? Uh, Because he was the same guy that calmed the storm and the waves. That's what I love about the Bible and I love about the disciples. You understand that they didn't get it. They, they followed. They, they had blind, reckless abandon. They loved Jesus and they followed him, but they really didn't get it until after he had died and resurrected. Oh, to have that kind of faith, to just jump in and believe regardless of understanding it and just going for it. Jesus didn't chastise them. Because they were following him. And he blessed them. And he taught them. But sometimes the crowd can block the attempts of people getting to Jesus. Also, the disciples loved Jesus, but their faith had the wrong focus. You see, many times in the scriptures, the disciples, they would fight about who would be the greatest. They would want to know who's going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. And they wanted to know constantly about When is this kingdom going to come? They were thinking power. They were thinking prestige. They were thinking Jesus, the king of of Jerusalem. But that was not the kind of kingdom Jesus was building, was it? His was far greater. Also, our approach, our faith in Jesus must be greater than our fear of approaching him. Our faith in Jesus must be greater than our fear of approaching him. Now, we, we will give an invitation after this service, and we give it every week. Almost every service, we give an invitation. And, and I will tell you first that the, 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 the walking down the aisle is not necessarily a scriptural thing in the sense of it doesn't say, thou shalt walk down an aisle to be saved. Okay, that's nowhere in the Bible. The Bible says that we are to accept him as our Savior and Lord. And by, by us having that altar call, it gives someone an opportunity to publicly confess Jesus as their Savior and Lord. What if the disciples had never publicly confessed their devotion for the Lord? We wouldn't be reading about them. But every Sunday, I see people with the white knuckle grab in the pew where Jesus is working in their lives and they hold on and they hold on because they think, oh, Jesus, you, you just don't know what I've been through. <laughs> Again, I would tell you, he's the same man that calmed the wind and the waves. You might say, oh, Jesus, I've got to get my stuff straight before I come to you. That's not biblical. Oh, Jesus, I love you and I, I'm your child, but there's just this area in my life that I just can't give to you. Again, he is the same Jesus that calmed the winds and the waves. He is so powerful. What we see here, the Jairus, he risked his position, his livelihood, his reputation, and his wealth, all for the hope that his little girl would be saved. Jesus instructed Jairus just to have what in verse 36? All you have to do, all of your money, all of your responsibilities, all of your accolades, all you need to do is have this. Faith. Just have faith faith. We see with the bleeding woman, her fear demonstrated her faith in who he was. Now, she did not talk or overthink her way out of a miracle. She could have easily said, 
as Jesus is coming by, oh, he doesn't have time for me. Oh, he, he's got to go heal that girl. I don't want to mess up with my problems. Oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to go, go see him because, you know, other people might think that I'm being desperate. I might be one of those, those people. Why does she not think those things? Because she was desperate. Why do people go to church and stay away from church and reject Jesus all of the time? It's because they are not desperate. Because they are not desperate. Why do we not reach out to Jesus? Because we haven't gotten to that point to where we're desperate enough to where once we hit the bottom, we know that there's nowhere else but up. We have to reach out to Him. We have to have faith. We do not need to be afraid of Him. Because for her, living a life being healed by Jesus was much more important than living a life continuing to be sick in that way. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, remember I told you that uh, women in that situation were considered unclean? That didn't seem to bother Jesus. Because technically, under the Jewish law, when that woman reached out and touched the hem of his garment, according to the Jewish law, he was unclean. It didn't bother him one bit. Jesus had enough clean for everybody. He is Mr. Clean. And he's got enough clean for you in the mess that you've made of your life and what you have in your life and what I've made in my life as well. The bleeding woman was made well. The term well is the word is sozo, which has actually got a double meaning. It means not only was she better physically, her ailment just stopped. Women be going, Praise the Lord, raise the roof, woo! Amen. But also, spiritually, she was healed. Anytime Jesus healed, his priority was not the physical, but the spiritual. Her sins were forgiven. If we reach out to Jesus, even if we fully don't understand it, God, by His grace, will save us by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Why is that? If you understand, the, the, the bleeding woman, she didn't have it all figured out. She, wasn't, she probably wasn't a Southern Baptist, okay? We weren't even around back then, you know? She didn't know how to act in church. There really wasn't a church around for people like her. But yet, she went to him, and she thought just by touching him, I mean, it was, it was kind of like a, that was the only way she knew to get to Jesus. In reality, you and I know that she didn't really even have to touch Jesus. She, Jesus didn't have to touch her, because, once again, he's the man that stopped the winds and the waves. But in her own attempt, as best as she could, she reached out to Jesus. So let me tell you, church, when people are reaching out to Jesus, there is not a certain way you have to dress. There is not a way you have to look. There is not a word that you have to say other than Jesus save me and heal me. But no, we just want to sit back in our pews and sit back in our, our spiritual lazy boys and watch the world go by because we're not desperate. Faith heals completely. Jesus said the bleeding woman was free from her affliction. That means by saying that she was free from her affliction, she was healed not temporarily, but permanently. 
The bleeding woman also becomes the daughter of Jesus. He not only wanted to heal her, but check this out. By calling her a daughter, he wanted to have a relationship with her. Jesus cared for her even in the smallest of needs. Well, I want to show you a picture in closing. This is Alyssa. She is uh, one of, a, a daughter of one of our friends. Don and I met years ago in uh, Spartanburg. She's got uh, a bunch of brothers and sisters. And that's her when she was two years old, and now she's 17. Man, do they grow up fast, right? Well, when she was about two years old, that, that photo on, on your right, uh, she was about that age, and we had gone out to eat. And uh, after eating, we had uh, gone outside, and, and she was in that phase. You ever seen children where they don't want to hold anybody's hand? They want to be a big boy and girl. That was her. She, she wanted to to be her own person, so she didn't want to hold anybody's hand, and she started running in the parking lot. There was only one problem. There was a four-lane highway right in front of the restaurant, and she took off. Parents didn't see it. I saw it at the last minute. Instinct kicked in, and I, I, I don't even remember exactly how it happened. I just remember that I did everything I could. I grabbed that girl's hand before she got into the highway. I reached out as hard as I could to help that girl. And I thank God that she did not get hit because it was close. When I think about that, I think of the desperation in that grab. I think of the hopes that something bad would not happen, and just reaching out and just praying that God would give the strength to rescue. That is the kind of grab. That is the kind of reach that we need to reach out for Jesus in today. Whether it be for him to be your Savior, or whether it him to be your Lord and to have control of your lives. It doesn't matter whether you're young, old, rich, or poor. Jesus is not beyond your reach today. We reach out in faith, and he takes our hand. Jesus reaches out to us. Also, this is important, as is. You don't have to, you don't have to take a bath to get into the shower. Jesus, our uncleanliness is nothing to him. Because he is the one that makes us clean. And last but not least, we see that Jesus can be trusted. Yeah, Jairus thought, great, Jesus has taken too long. But as we read in that passage, Jesus was right on time. And he was so concerned for that little girl that not only did he tell her to wake up and rise, but he made sure she got a sandwich after she got up. Jesus cares for every little need that you have. Even the ones that you don't know you have. Jesus can be trusted. And the answer to the fear of not reaching out is faith. Let's pray. God, I just pray this morning that, Lord, you would bless us. That, Lord, there's someone in here that needs to reach out to you, whether it be for the first time to receive you as their Savior and Lord. 
whether it be someone that is rejecting you. That they are saved, but Lord, they, they're not giving you control over your, their lives. Or maybe someone just needs prayer or want to join the church. This invitation time is for you, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?